I'm not quite sure if this is working properly because I just updated it on Patreon. I'm trying to get the live Patreon so they can join in and leave comments and all that so we can talk and they can throw questions at me when I podcast and all that. So today's going to be another trial and error. You guys bear with me the first few months of all of these live streaming tactics that I'm trying to learn. Maybe a bit of a hassle, but welcome back to the podcast. All the patrons who are on, Facebook supporters, all those things that you guys are on. Appreciate you guys. Um, but today in episode 117, have another um, topic that I believe you guys will need to hear. This was supposed to be alongside that series we were just doing, but I decided just make this separate and we'll go from there. But today I want to talk about when God lets you get that person that you should have avoided, meaning that relationship that he had nothing to do with, (laughs) that relationship that God has been telling you, hey, don't date that person. And we're just like, yeah, but God, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I want that. You know, God, I know you said don't do this, but I mean you know, what, can you change your mind? You know, that person that you keep trying to convince God that you know what's best for you. Um, you know, so today that's what we want to talk about. Won't get too into detail before we get started. I want to leave a shout out for today's sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp online therapy. You know, I believe relationships take work and a lot of times we focus so much on serving that person, but I believe a great, important, aspect that we need to address is taking care of ourselves as well. I don't believe you can properly serve someone from a wounded place. I've always heard a saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I believe part of that empty cup comes from the the place where some people, quite, quite frankly, you know, not to sound rude, but sometimes we need therapy. Sometimes we need to address some some thought processes and some things about us that just need to be fixed. So this is what I'm telling you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online therapy It offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to speak to someone in person if you don't want to. Um, It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, which is a bonus, and you can be matched with your therapist in under 48 hours. So give it a try, and you'll see why over 2 million people have been using BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Godly Dating 101 podcast listeners will get 10% off their first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash godly. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash godly. So today's podcast, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about those relationships that is as though we know what God is saying, but sometimes we we continue on because we're hoping for the best out of this person. But I want to leave a few biblical examples on how this played out for people in the scriptures. I want to leave a few biblical examples on how some people thought, well, maybe if I do things my way, it won't be much of an issue. I want I want you guys to see how this worked out in the scriptures and how it may work out in our lives. And I believe it can always be negative. You know, sometimes things work out for your benefit, but I want us to be in a relationship that honors God. So there's a few relationships I want us to consider. The first one is Abraham and Sarah. You guys knew I was going there. So in Genesis 12, we see that God calls Abraham. He speaks to Abraham. Hey, get out of your country. Get away from your kindred, away from your family. I'm going to make out of you a great nation. I'm going to make, um, you know, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And he promises Abraham all of these things. And well, Abram at the time and Abraham is following him. 
And we see later on, I believe that Genesis 15, where God speaks to Abram and he says, fear not for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That's around, I think Genesis 15, three, I should have wrote it down. But the problem with this is Abraham is old. His wife is old. God, you're calling me when I'm old to do all of these things and you're promising you're going to bless me. Uh, where's my kids? You know, because I only have a servant um, inside my house. So you're promising you're going to do all these blessings and I don't even have kids. Like, how does that how does that even work? But what 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 that verse, you know, obviously this is just a preacher's moment, I guess. But what that verse shows us when God says, hey, Abram, I'm your exceeding great reward. A lot of times some of you are following God because, you know, blessings are involved. You're following God because you know, well, if I follow him, you know, there's healing. If I follow him, there's blessings, there's breakthrough. And we get so happy in the things we can gain, not necessarily happy with just knowing who Jesus is and following him for who he is. So God, first of all, tells Abraham, I'm your biggest blessing, not the children or the money or anything that I can give you. But we see that he's excited about, you know, being blessed, but he brings his concern to God. And he says, you know, I can understand that you're going to bless me. You're going to do all these things tremendously, but I don't have a child. And he lets him know, well, um, I, I only have a servant by the name of Eliezer. That's his servant, Eliezer. But God is saying, I'm not going to bless you to just bless your servant. I'm blessing you. And the blessing I'm promising you is going to come from your own seed. So we see about 11 to 12 years goes by. Um, if you guys don't know the story, maybe you're newer to the Christian faith, I want you to read Genesis and you'll see that first book of the Bible, you'll get to this story very quickly. But about 11 to 12 years goes by. God promises Abraham something at the age of 75 and 11 to 12 years goes by and God has not given them the promise that they were expecting. Now, a lot of us, we know God promises us certain things. Uh, a spouse is not one of them. Hopefully I didn't lose a subscriber or you muted me or anything like that because I said that, but we know God promises us something and sometimes we don't get that healing as soon as we want. So we get frustrated. We don't get that breakthrough as soon as we want. So we get frustrated. We don't get that spouse as soon as we want. So we get frustrated. The married people, you don't have that child as quick as you expected or even the ability to have them. And we get frustrated. We know there's a lot of things that can happen that can cause us to be frustrated with God. A lot of things that can cause us to question, well, does God even love me? Because this makes no sense that he's allowing me to go through this situation. Like, um, God, you know, aren't you there? What's going on? Talk to me. You know, we get to that situation. And after 11, 12 years of waiting, Abraham, you know, is probably getting impatient. But we clearly see that Sarah was frustrated with the season. And she speaks to her husband and she's like, Abraham, you know, God ain't letting me have no kids. So I'm going to need you to go sleep with my servant. And, you know, maybe we'll get the blessing that way. So Sarah, Sarah Sarai's mindset at the time, excuse me, is that if you just go ahead and impregnate this woman, then we'll get what God decided for us. Even though God's promise was supposed to flow through her, even though God's promise was supposed to flow through the covenant between Abraham and Sarah, we still see that she allowed impatience to become her God. She allowed her timeline to lead her rather than God's timing. And then that's when we see Abraham being as foolish as most guys would have been in that situation over here agreeing to the thing. And he goes and he gets this woman pregnant and then they have a child. And unfortunately, Sarah was not happy. I don't know why every time I make a podcast, even though my notifications are off, I always hear a ding. 
I'm sorry, y'all. But we see that he agrees to do this thing. And now that he, he gets the girl pregnant, Sarah, it all backfires in her face. She's still upset. She starts to treat the woman poorly. She starts to, you know, everything backfires, you know? So we see that in their mind, all I need to do is help God. When God doesn't need your help, if God made you a promise, he's able to fulfill it. That's what I need us to understand. If God tells you he's going to do something great in your life, you don't need to try to help God in that process. And I'm not saying, you know, have faith without works because the Bible makes it clear that faith without works is dead. But God made a promise to a married man, which means that covenant was going to, that promise was going to come through that covenant. He did not tell you to step out of your marriage to be blessed. He didn't tell you had to sin in order to be blessed. God is not going to tell any of us that we need to walk outside of his will in order to be blessed. And that was the mistake that they made. And I believe that many times we give birth to things that God never wanted us to have in our life. And then we expect God to come alongside of us and bless our plans. God lays out what we should do in the scriptures. He lays out what we should do. He gives us a word. The preacher preaches at our church. The teacher teaches whatever. God gives us clear instructions, but yet we decide to do things our own way. And then when we give birth to something harmful, we want God to give his stamp of approval. That is not how God works. God doesn't bless mess. God is not going to approve of things that lead you to sin. God is not going to allow you to turn away from him and then simply say, okay, well, this is my child, so I'm going to bless it. Even though they're in sin, I'm going to bless that union. Even though I didn't want them to have sex outside of marriage, I'm going to bless that. And then we allow ourselves to get to that point where God is looking like, you are not supposed to do that. What was the, why did you rush my timing? So that's why I want us to understand that we have to trust God's timing because God will promise you an Isaac and your impatience will lead to your Ishmael. God will desire a healthy marriage for you, but your impatience will lead to an unhealthy relationship, a fornicating relationship. Because I know people just want to call it, you know, making love. You're not making love, fam. You're in sin. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we don't understand that when we don't trust God's timing, it leads to our demise. You know, it's not just even being spiritual, because even if you weren't a Christian, there's so many other things you have to worry about when you're doing things outside of God's covenant called marriage. You still have to worry about STDs. You still have to worry about faithfulness. And obviously, this is speaking as though the people are respecting the marriage union. But there are so many things that you don't have to worry about if you did things God's way. All of the, the controversy that came out of the Ishmael relationship was because he decided to do things his way rather than do things God's way. And we need to understand that that's always a dangerous game. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. Or King James says, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. That's the part where people don't quote. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Yes, Abraham, I know you guys are seeking me and I know you guys are trusting me, but don't be wise in your own mind thinking you know more than God. Don't be wise in your own mind thinking I can change them. Don't be wise in your own eyes thinking, well, maybe if we just did it this way, then oh, well, God will be pleased with that. No, don't be wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord, depart from evil, seek his plan, seek his face. If God gives you clear instructions in his word, abide by that. Don't think you can exit out of the scriptures and then find God's approval. There is no peace outside of the will of God. There are no blessings outside of the will of God. Even if I received what I desired, it wasn't a blessing. If I had to step out of step outside of God's will in order to receive it. 
Another person I want us to pay attention to is King Solomon. King Solomon is a man, excuse me, is a man that God allowed him to get the relationships that he wanted. We know we serve a sovereign God. He knows everything. He can do anything he wants, but God still gives us the power of free will. I don't know how many, uh, I hear about like Calvinism and all these other you know, different views on Christianity where people don't believe in free will or do believe in free will. I'm not here to debate that. I'm not going to get into it with anyone. I believe that God allows free will. And I say that because I don't think anyone was born destined for hell or God creates you wanting you to sin. God allows you to make those choices. You know, we're all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We all have a uh, proclivity, I believe is the word, you know, a tendency to go towards sin. We all have the ability to, it's like you, you have to teach a child to behave. You don't have to teach a child to lie or to steal or to misbehave. You know what I mean? If you've been around a toddler, you know, no one taught them to talk back. They just, you know, well, maybe daycare, but it's like we have a tendency to do the wrong thing. And when we look at people like Solomon, he had all the wisdom in the world, but still had that tendency to do the wrong thing. And God was not going to stop his free will. But I want to read these verses out of First Kings 11. It says, King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites. You must not intermarry them, and they must not intermarry with you, because they will turn your heart away. He had seven oh he they, they will turn your heart away to follow their gods. To so these women Solomon was deeply attached and loved. He had seven hundred wives who were princesses and three hundred who were concubines, and they turned his heart away. When Solomon was old, his heart his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, his God, as his father David had been. Sorry, I was just all mumble jumbled all, all of my verses. But we see that immediately after he received clear instructions, don't marry those women, don't go mingling with these women, and don't let these women mingle with you. Because it's not just about who you pursue, it's also about who you entertain. Solomon was told, don't go entertaining these women. Don't go putting on, don't go after pursuing after their heart and don't let them pursue after yours. Don't let them entertain yours. And God is warning him, if you allow yourself to get mixed up with that, something about these women is going to taint your spirit. So while you may think you're not going to, you know, intermingle with them, you're not going to get tainted with them. You're not going to fall into the trap that they're in. God is warning him that you will. And they will pull your heart, not just outside of, not just away from me, but they will pull your heart to sin. They will pull your heart to false gods, to the things of this world. So a lot of us think, oh, okay, well, they're not a bad person. Yeah, I don't go to church as much. Yeah, but it's not just not going to church as much, but it's also you don't do your devotion, but now you're doing the things that they do. You rather go to the club now than to Bible study. You rather go up turning up rather than doing the things with maybe a godly community or anything that's not sinful. But now you you have a tendency to do these things. Why? Because of the people I literally just said, don't intermarry with, you know, but God would allow you to do that. If you want to marry them, by all means, God is not going to say, Hey, Hey, my child, I want what's best for you. So I'm not going to let you sin. No, God is going to say, well, I mean, if you think that's the best bet, then by all means, God is never going to stop us from doing it. 
And there are so many relationships today that God is telling you, you need to avoid, but he's not going to stop you if you want to be in them. An unequally yoked relationship where the word of God is clear in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. Don't be unequally yoked. But he's not going to stop you if you're so determined to believe your husband is not saved. If you're so determined to believe your wife is lukewarm, hey, by all means, if you're so determined to believe God is going to bless you with a spouse that doesn't even love him or is not going to help you spiritually, you have free access to do so. God is not going to stop us from from pursuing after relationships that are harmful to our our well-being. But it is up to us to understand that when God tells us, hey, avoid that, it's not because God... God wants to stop you from having fun. God is trying to protect us. And that's what we as believers need to understand. When he tells you not to, there's verses in the Bible that tells us not to even, and I'm not saying this, you know, from a high, you know, self-righteous mindset. I'm literally quoting what Paul said. There's somebody who's going to look into this and say, oh, he's holier than now. I've had people say that when I'm quoting verses all the time. And I'm just like, man, how did we get to the point in Christianity where people don't even believe the Bible? But there's a point in 1 Corinthians 5, I believe, 1 Corinthians 5, and Paul is like, hey, I told you not to accompany um, with fornicators, but I wasn't talking about people in the world. I was talking about people in the church that claim to be believers, yet while they're claiming to be believers, they're out in fornication and jealousy and envy and all these things. He says, with those, I don't even want you to eat with them. Now, people may say, if I tell somebody... Yeah, man, we just can't really kick it like that no more. You know what I mean? I have different interests. They'll think I'm being judgmental, holier than now, all those things. Paul says, bro, I don't even want to see y'all getting mimosas. I don't care how cool, how how way back y'all, y'all been. I don't care what's their position in church. If somebody's holding the position of a brother or sister in Christ and is intentionally living in sin, because there's a difference between falling into sin and living in sin. There's a difference between practicing sin and making a mistake. Huge differences. And if you're going to associate with somebody that's struggling, somebody that's aiming to grow, that's fine because you're pushing them to grow closer to God. They're aiming to push you. We should build one another up. But when somebody is claiming to be a believer and is constantly in sin and we don't say anything about it, we are a part of the problem. Paul lets us know that we have to avoid that. And it's wild that the garbage can never comes this early, but it's all of a sudden up in my video. Y'all, please ignore any background noise you may be hearing. But please understand, when God tells us to avoid these toxic relationships and these draining relationships, is this is this garbage truck serious? I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> At least I don't know if it's that loud in the video, but it is mad loud in my ear right now. Um, but when God tells us to do all these things, it's because he knows their relationship, this relationship will rub off on you. It was one thing that Solomon thought he could date the woman in the world, but God was letting him know that if you marry these women, you are going to serve their gods. We are going to adopt their practices. We are going to become like them. If you decide to marry someone that is like, that is in the world, you are going to adopt their practices. And we have to be careful of that because I want you guys to understand this. This is not in the Bible, but this is boom, mind blowing. If you ever grasp this, your life will change. It's the simple saying, a simple saying that I have. God is not a hater. Boom. I know. Trust me. They could have added that in scripture if they wanted to. God is not a hater. I know a lot of people think the church is hating on them. God doesn't want me to have fun. A lot of people, when they leave Christianity, you know, it's because they felt like they were in bondage. The wild part is they're chasing freedom. And in their pursuit of freedom, they're leaving freedom 
to the prison, the prisons of sin, the bondage of sin, the bondage of trying to be like everyone in the world, not realizing the people in the world don't know who they are, all trying to impress one another. But we don't understand that when God warns us about relationships, it is for our good. It's not God stop. It's not that the person on the road isn't attractive. No, God just knows what's best for you. And he wants to give us what's best for us. Psalm 84 and 11 says, no good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Or another verse says with integrity, meaning when your lifestyle is pleasing God, there is no good thing in this world. No good thing at all that God is not going to give you. There is nothing in this world that God won't give you because you're walking uprightly. So if I don't have something, that just means it's not my season to have it yet, or God doesn't think it's good for me. So please understand, I'm not going to obey all of scripture or try my best to worship God and spirit and the truth and try my best to live for God. And God is going to intentionally say, yeah, I want you to be sick. I want you to be homeless. I want you to be single. God is not saying all these things because he hates you. God will allow a season of singleness because it brings you closer to him, because it develops you. God will allow sickness because it forces you to trust in him or it allows you to become a testimony of his healing power. God will allow you to not have as much money, not because God is not able to provide, but because he knows if I gave you money, you'd probably leave the church. God is allowing you to trust in him to develop character. You see, so a lot of times we don't get the things that we want. And God, y'all, we really think God is hating on us. God is not hating on you. God is preparing you for what you're praying for, or he's protecting you from, from what you're praying for because he knows it'll harm you in the long run if he allowed you to have it. The Bible says it like this in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration for as heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what this tells me is I must learn to trust God's perspective. I don't, I don't need to learn to understand God's perspective. That's where we, we end up in confusion heartache, stress, all type of anxiety, because we're trying to understand God's plan more than trust it. And when you trust God's plan more than you understand it, it doesn't matter how bad the storm gets because you know who's keeping you in that storm. And that's why a lot of people can have a nervous breakdown over something simple. And there's some people that can still be trusting God or strong in their faith, homeless, trusting God with jobless, trusting God after a divorce, trusting God after all these things, because they've learned to trust God more than trust what they can understand and what they can comprehend. And that's what the point that we have to get to. The last thing I'll say is this, the children of Israel was another example of when God will allow you to get what you want, even though it's not good for you, because uh, it's a few verses. So bear with me. You know what I mean? Put, put your phone down, Put your headphones in, you know, stick with me, y'all. We're we, we going to land a ship soon. But First Samuel verses 8, starting at verse 4, says in the CSB, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us the same as all the other nations have. When they said, Give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong. So he prayed to the Lord, but the Lord told him, listen to the people and everything they say to you. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me as their king. They are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me since the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. Listen to him. Listen to them. But solemnly warn them and tell them about the customary rights of the king who will reign over them. So a God allowed them to receive a king, even though they didn't need one. 
they started complaining. It wasn't God who went out of his way to get Saul. They started complaining. They said they wanted a king. God is like, well, if you want one. But the crazy part about it is they wanted a king because everyone else had a king. It wasn't something that they felt necessary for themselves. But they saw everyone else with one, and they're looking like, well, if you got one, I want one. If they got one, I need one. If that country got one, we need one. And they just started looking at what everybody else had. And they decided, well, I need one too. I mean, if you got one, then why can't get one? You know? And the interesting perspective about God here is that he didn't he he didn't even want Samuel to be frustrated with what they were saying because of his sons. He was letting them know, like, hey, they don't consider me good enough to be their king. It's not you they're rejecting. They're rejecting me. So we see that when they ask God for a king, when they beg Samuel for a king, God took that as a form of disrespect because you know I just delivered you out of your slavery. You know I just delivered you from the bondage of this world. I've proven to you that I'm a miracle worker and now you're complaining that you want a physical person that you can see right now guiding you. That's wow. God is looking at it like, oh, wow. You know, I just did all of these things for these ungrateful people and they have the nerve to not be thankful. But what they're actually doing instead is pursuing after someone else to give the credit for my glory. That's how God is looking at it. Like you guys are not really that appreciative as you should be, you know, and if you know any of us, if we have kids, you know what it means to buy something or maybe you bought something for someone for Christmas and they probably don't say thank you. You know, they'll play with your, your gift. They'll, they'll wear what you bought them. They'll do all these things, but they won't say thank you. That's how it seems as though God, God is viewing this. So my question to you all is, how many of you want a relationship because everyone else has one? Um, it wasn't that you thought it was necessary to have a relationship just yet, but everyone else is getting married. Everyone else at your school is booed up. Everyone else on social media is in a relationship and couple goals and, you know, they bought Golly Dating 101's book that's coming out this year in September. You know, slight plug to remind you guys, hey, pre-ordering is going to start soon. I'll keep you guys posted with all the details. But <laughs> anywho, you want a relationship because everyone else has one. Did the garbage truck really just come back? Guys, I'm sorry if you're hearing that in the background. Anywho, we see that these people are complaining, we want a king because everyone else has a king. And when we ask God for relationships, are we asking God for a relationship just because everyone else has one? So we're not even prepared for a relationship, but we want one because everyone else has one. That We don't even realize how much of idolatry that we're really operating in, um, or jealousy, covetousness, and envy. You know, we want things because others have it, not because we believe God desires it for us. Because so many of us, if we're honest, man, we, we, we weren't ready for relationships. Or you currently, if you're listening, you, weren't, you aren't ready right now. But you want one because everybody else has one. You think because you're 30, you need to be in a relationship. You think, ah, oh, well, I need to hurry up and have kids. If I don't get married and have kids now, I'm never going to have one. Why do you feel as though that's going to happen? Is it because everyone else is telling you that? Because you're seeing pressure from others? And I want us to understand, if we let social media guide us, we're going to step outside of God's will every single time. We cannot afford to allow ourselves to become so so desirous of things only because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and compete with others. That's not God's will. You know, when we read James 4 and 3 in the NLT, it says it like this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. 
so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Excuse me. So we see God doesn't always even allow us to get what we want because sometimes our motives are just absolutely off. But if God gave you what you truly were seeking him for right now, would it be for your good? Or could it possibly destroy you in the long run? Because I, I, I'm a believer, you know, my thought process, you know, you can debate with me, but my thought process is there are so many prayers that we have to be thankful God said no to, because if God answered every prayer that we've ever prayed, some of them are so selfish or they only benefits us. They don't always benefit the community around us. They don't always benefit the world, but it benefits us. So we pray for all these things and we desire all these things. And sometimes it's not good for us. They wanted Saul so bad who they did not need. (laughs) It led to so many problems. He was not a man after God's own heart. He was a man pleasing what he thought was good for himself or trying to impress people. He was not worried about what was going to please God. So many of us, we end up in relationships that don't please God because we decided to pursue after someone outside of God's timing. Instead of waiting on David, we chose Saul. Instead of waiting on that godly marriage, we chose the lukewarm one. Instead of waiting on a spouse that can help us become you know, who, we, who God destines for us to be, we decided for the one that was convenient at the time. And that's what God is trying to get us to avoid. You know, So I, I, I want us to, as I wind down, I want you guys to hear me when I say this. Sometimes God allows us to get exactly what we desire just so we can realize we don't need it. He will allow you to get that relationship. Hey, you going to beg me for it? Hey, take it. But he'll allow you to see that relationship is not what ultimately satisfies you. Or some of you, you, you may end up, and, and I don't want to say this as like a prophecy. Please don't think I'm trying to speak anything negative over you. But sometimes when we chase after relationships, you don't realize that you're running straight into the arms of an abusive man, an abusive woman, verbally abusive, physically abusive, emotionally abusive, someone draining. You're running to someone with trust issues that hasn't healed yet. You're running to someone that is lukewarm, that is not helping you spiritually. And we don't realize that when God is telling you, hey, stay right here. Don't, don't, don't go any further. Stay right there. We don't realize that when God is telling you, hey, be patient, that is for our good. But, but when we keep on hitting against the pricks, like God said to, to um, Saul at the time before he became Paul, you're kicking against the pricks. You think you're doing good, but you're hurting yourself and you're going to harm yourself if you keep up with this. Sometimes God is trying to prevent us from doing things that will harm us. So I'm not sure who you're pursuing or who you may be entertaining or who you got in your inbox or who you sending DMs to, but I want you to ask yourself these questions. Does this relationship help or hurt me spiritually? Number two, do I have peace about it or am I constantly doubting this? And three, am I ready for a relationship or am I just bored? And we need to understand that because God will let you get that person that you don't need if you are so determined to do so. He's not going to stop you if you want to go ahead. Go ahead and be great. Go ahead. Rock on with your bad self. That's what they used to say growing up. Rock on with your bad self. If you think you know more than God, then by all means. But I want us to understand that we have to learn to be thankful when God tells us no. Because God does know what is best for us. He does know what we need. He does know the type of relationships we should or should not entertain. And like they always say, it's a cliche quote, but it's true. Redirect. Rejection is sometimes God's redirection. 
uh, when somebody doesn't want you or some or things doesn't work out or God says no, that simply means God is redirecting you towards something better or redirecting you towards his will. Sometimes we don't know what's best for us, but we have to trust that he does. You know, God wants what's best for us. And sometimes when he delays his promises, it does not mean he's denying us anything. He's just delaying it. And we have to learn to trust his timing. So if you listen to the end of this podcast, I pray that this brought some type of value to you. I pray that this opens our eyes in some way, shape, or form. And I hope that we decide to pursue after the relationship that God wants, not the one that we are forcing. Because only in his will will we find true joy, true peace. It'll last. Well, you know, even if you're Christian, every relationship doesn't always last. But we know that we are in his will. And when we are in his will, there is safety. And that is what we want. So I pray that you guys enjoyed this. Subscribe if you're on, even if you're on podcast. But if you're on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. Check out, you know, all the other episodes. Thank you for all you guys, you know, staying faithful to the podcast. It's a whole lot of things going on that's different with the sound and all that you know i'm trying to navigate it all one day i'll get a studio that's not in my room with trees hitting my window and garbage trucks outside but until then love you guys appreciate you guys all you guys on patreon appreciate the support peace